In today's episode of Comment Over Coffee, we're talking about what you need to focus on to grow your YouTube channel in 2020. So grab your cup, tumbler, mug because we're starting right now. Welcome to Comments Over Coffee, where you will learn how to get better at YouTube and online video over a cup of coffee. Pour a cup for your host, Nick Nimmin. What is going on? My name is Nick. If this is your first time here, I want to let you know that the comments on these episodes, these are pulled from my YouTube channel or from the submission form on the Comments Over Coffee website. So if you have questions about what it is that you're doing on YouTube, head over to commentsovercoffee.com and put your question in the form. And as long as I haven't answered it before, I will put it in the queue. I also want to let you know that if you're a content creator and you want to know the best things to use for all aspects of creating content, and the business around creating content, head over to bestcreatortools.com. It's a list that I put together of everything that I recommend, things that I personally use or that I've used on my channel and the businesses that I have around my channel in the past. Again, you can find that at bestcreatortools.com. Today's podcast is a little bit different because it is the last podcast of 2019. As we head into the roaring 20s, super pumped to uh, be going into 2020 to be starting a new decade. And I I want to take this opportunity while I have your attention. I want to take this opportunity to talk about some things that you need to focus on if you want to really get the ball rolling for yourself in 2020 and the year and in the decade. (laughs) So when it comes to YouTube, a lot of content creators, basically we put content out there that, you know, makes sense to us because it's stuff that we enjoy making things that we already were interested in. And then we just decided, hey, let's start making videos on this stuff. Or there's the other camp, which is like, hey, let me see if I can use YouTube in a way to help drive traffic to my business. Or there's another camp that's, hey, let me look at YouTube and see what I can do to actually turn this into a financial asset of some kind. And with all of that, at the end of the day, the core things that you really need to focus on, it all comes down to similar things that you need to keep an eye on. So as an example, no matter what type of content that you're putting out at the very top of everything, it's really important to make sure that you can clearly identify who it is that you're making content for. And the reason this is important is because people get caught up in the nuance of, well, if I'm uploading content to YouTube, I have to have a specific niche or niche, depending on how you say it. But, you know, they're like, hey, I have to have a specific niche. And and, and you do to an extent. But it's not necessarily just about having the the niche. It's more about making content that serves a particular type of viewer or that audience that you are trying to reach. So when you're thinking about the niche that you're operating in, it's not necessarily only the topics that you're talking. It's more about the people that you are trying to reach and the topics that they would most likely be interested in. And that's a really important thing that you focus on Um, to use myself as an example, because if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you are also watching my YouTube videos. If not, then you definitely need to find me on YouTube. Just look for Nick Nimmin on YouTube and you'll, you'll find me there. But one thing that's really important to think about when you are considering the topics that you're covering is again, using my channel as an example. If you look at my channel, you'll see that I can make content about live streaming. I can make content about making videos with your phone. I can make content where I'm just ranting about something that is based on problems that content creators have. I can talk about gear. I can talk about specific cameras. I can talk about how to present on camera. I can talk about different ways to have charisma in your videos. I can talk about all of these different things to where 
if you were to look at each of those topics separately, you might think, well, hey, that's not really a good fit with this topic or that's not really a good fit with this topic. Sure. You're going to teach me how to be better on camera, but how does that help me when it comes to my analytics, for example, right? If you have a video about analytics. So at the core of this, what I'm doing is I'm making content for a specific type of person. The people that I'm trying to reach are people that are just getting started or they're just starting to get that momentum picking up on YouTube. I'm basically trying to share the information, tools, and resources that people need in order to you know be able to, to really get the ball rolling with this stuff. And because of that, all of those different types of content, even though they might seem like they're in, you know, a little bit of a, of a different niche for each one of them, it's still serving that core audience that I'm trying to reach. OK, so with the type of content that you're making, it's really important to make sure that you are taking a similar approach to where you're not pigeonholing yourself into a specific topic. More so, you are pigeonholing yourself into a specific audience, right? Because when you do that, then all of the different type of content that you can make, it, it, it broadens you out a little bit to where all the different type of content that you can make to serve that specific audience is going to be a good fit for them. They are going to be more likely to click on it. Even if they don't click on all of them, they're going to still be more likely to keep coming back to your channel on a regular basis. Using my channel as an example again, if you consume my content and you go there for my YouTube tips, well, sometimes I'm going to put out a video about apps that content creators need. And because you maybe don't consume my tip content as much um, as you would like to, that doesn't necessarily mean that when I put out a video about the apps that you should use, that you wouldn't respond to that because that would be something that's still related to you as a content creator, but it would be something fresh if you're tired of my general tips type of content, as an example. Same thing with live streaming and so on. So it's really important just to make sure that when it comes to your content, that you are thinking more of who is it that I'm trying to reach and what different types of content can I make in order to really get in front of and give a good experience to the people that I'm actually trying to get my content in front of or the people that I'm trying to reach with my content, with the message that I'm trying to share, or the mission that you happen to be on. Or, you know, if you're just trying to generate income, as an example, or the people that are more likely to buy my stuff, right? So it just depends on on what your approach is in that regard. But at the very top of it all is the actual audience that you're trying to reach, okay? Now, once you get past that and you're like, okay, these are the people that I'm actually making the content for. Of course, you're making it for yourself. But what I mean is that with all of this, it, it, it only does you any good if you have people actually watching, right? So the, those are the people that you're trying to reach, the people that are going to be a good fit for your content. But once you figure out who it is that you're trying to reach, the next thing you got to start breaking down is the actual topics. So out of all of the different things that I could talk about for the specific type of content that I make, and this is something that you need to ask yourself, for all the different things that I could possibly talk about for this specific audience that I'm trying to reach, what are the things that I think would be the best, right? So if I'm doing crafting videos, as an example, then you know what things within crafting would make, uh, would make sense for my audience? If I'm doing gaming videos, what type of games? Is it just the one game or are similar games or, or does the type of person that plays this one game, do they also like, um, let's use like first person shooters as an example. So the people that like to play first person shooters, if you have one first person shooter game that you're building your channel off of, then that also might give you a chance to be able to branch out and say, okay, well, they clearly like first person shooters. So 
where is the crossover from people that like this type of game, this first person shooter game? Where's that crossover to where I could get them to also consume content on another first person shooter game that I like as an example? And you could run polls in your community feed and things like that. But basically, when it comes to your topics, once you know that audience, then it's really important that you just start lining those stuff out. Sit down, write a huge list and you don't have to write the actual video names and video titles but it's important that you write down a list and say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to be talking about in 2020. These are the things that I'm going to share with my viewers. These are the things that I'm going to put in front of that audience that I'm trying to reach, right? And when you do it that way and you start with the audience and then you go to the topics, then what you start doing there is you actually start filling out the difficult part, which is what am I gonna talk about? What am I gonna make videos about? For the next three months, what type of stuff am I going to talk about on my on my YouTube channel or what type of stuff am I going to show people or share with people on my YouTube channel? It just helps you um, more clearly define those things that your audience is going to be interested in. And then once you have those topics, then you can actually start breaking it down to the actual video titles and just go in depth. OK, so if one of your topics is let's say that you do something about building model trains, you know, shout out to Ron's trains and things. But let's say that you do something about building model trains. Well, in that situation, your topics could be something along the lines of one of them would be, okay, we're going to talk a bunch about how to put together different aspects of the trains or how to build the actual, you know, train cars themselves. So we're going to do like the how to stuff. Um, Then we're going to do product reviews because people that are into model trains, they're also wanting to make sure that they're buying the right products, the high quality stuff. So because of that. Then we're also going to have another pillar that is uh, product reviews based around model trains. And then we're also going to do an opinion piece um, to where that's going to give the opportunity to connect with people on the relatable side of things like, hey, I'm really into this. You're really into this. So let's talk about it. And maybe that's going to be live stream content or maybe it would just be opinion piece videos where you talk about, you know, building model trains and why you love it and tell stories about, you know, your childhood or the things that got you into model trains as an example. But basically you just start breaking down those things that would make sense on the topic level, you start breaking those down in a way that makes sense for the content that the people you're trying to reach might consume. So once you have that, once you have your audience, once you have the topics, then from there, the next thing is, of course, you got to make the content. But once the content itself is made, then what do you have to start paying attention to? And this is where things start getting um, really nuanced because, you know, when you're going with the audience, you're being specific And then you go to the topics, then you go broad a little bit within that audience, right? It just kind of opens up there. But then when it gets down to the actual topics, then things start getting more nuanced because you have to start worrying about things like your click-through rate and your retention and all of that. So the next thing in this process or the next chain, next piece in the chain is your click-through rate. As you know, and as everybody's been saying for since we started getting the information, click-through rate is extremely important on YouTube because the rate that you can convert people when they, when your thumbnail and your title, when that is shown to somebody on YouTube, your ability to convert them or to get them to click into your video, that by itself is going to make a huge difference on the performance of your video. So it's really important that you start getting an idea for what the normal is for your channel. So you can say, okay, well, typically on my channel, this is my general click-through rate based on this amount of impressions, right? So it's important that you get it, um, that you understand that at that um, general level, 
But then it's also important that you start getting into the details to where you start looking at videos that have performed better than other videos. And you really start breaking down the click through rate versus the impressions that you're getting. So you can start getting a gauge for what's normal so that you know when it's time to change something. So what I mean by that is, let's say that you publish videos on a regular basis and you've noticed that through X amount of impressions that your click-through rate is typically somewhere between like a four and a six, right? After, you know, 10,000 impressions or or 50,000 impressions or 100,000 impressions. So if you've established that to be normal, then at the general level, then what you need to start doing is you need to start going in and seeing where that click-through rate is actually coming from. And when you do that, you go into your traffic sources. So in order to get into your traffic sources, you would go into your analytics and then you would actually click into whichever video it is that you want to know the stats for. And then once you are in the video um, that you wanted the stats for, then you'll click on analytics there or they have that little quick menu thing that you can get in there now. Um, So you can click on that, go into your analytics and then you want to click on the see more option. So if you're listening to this and you're in front of your computer, then you can, you know, you can just follow along with that. But you want to click on the see more. And then once you click on see more, you'll most likely have to mess with the date range for the analytics report so that you can um, narrow it down if you're looking at something recent um, by when it's been uploaded. If you're looking at something from the past, then you can narrow it down by the specific month or like a 90-day range, depending on exactly what you're trying to find. But what you do is is you go into those traffic sources and then you start looking to see where that click-through rate is coming from. And the reason that this is important is because if you have a lot of people that are hitting your channel page from external websites or they're watching your videos and then they're going to your channel page, then if people are clicking on it because YouTube is showing the thumbnail there and people are clicking on it at a very high rate there, but they're clicking on it at a low rate somewhere where it's more important, then in that situation, that's actually going to distort that total click-through rate that you're getting. So because of that, it's really important to make sure that you're getting an acceptable click-through rate in the traffic sources that are the most important to you, which are most likely, depending on the type of content that you make, they're most likely going to be um, search. And this is in no particular order because again, this is based on what you're trying to accomplish and what you're targeting. But it's going to be search traffic. It's going to be browse traffic or homepage traffic. And it's going to be suggested traffic. And even with browse, once you see that browse option there and you get to see the impressions that you've had for that date range and you get to see your click-through rate for that date range, again, so you can start getting a normal, then you actually want to click into that browse also so that you can determine, okay, well, this click-through rate here, is this coming from my subscription feed in browse or is this coming from the home pages? Because the subscription feed is going to let you know how well your current audience is responding to it and home pages is letting you know how people respond to it in general when it gets suggested to them on their homepage. So with all of that, it's really important just to make sure that you are digging into your click-through rate. That's what I'm getting at here is you don't want to just put up videos and look at the click-through rate and just say, okay, well, you know, this is good or this is bad. You want to actually dig into it and you want to start finding what normal means for your channel based on the impressions that you get and use that as kind of your benchmark, not even kind of use that as your benchmark for improving in 2020. So you can say, this is my normal. So I need to at least be in this range or I need to try to be better. And what I'm going to do is when I publish a video after 30 days, 28 days, whatever, I'm going to go back into my video content and I'm going to see where things are compared to what my normal is. And if I need to update thumbnails or I need to change my titles, I'm going to do it. If I don't need to do that, then I'll just keep moving forward. But based on what my normal is, if this is way below normal, 
then I'm going to go in and I'm going to update it so I can try to get a better click-through rate because that very first point of contact with new viewers and returning viewers to your videos, um, when it's presented to them on the platform somewhere, your ability to, to convert them over is going to make a huge difference on how much your videos get shown on YouTube. Now, the next thing that's important to keep in mind is your audience retention. Now, when it comes to audience retention, the thing with that is audience retention, just in case you're not familiar with what that is, it's a second by second report of how people respond to your, to your video content. So you can go into your stats and you can look and see through your audience retention reports. Hey, when I use an intro, I'm losing like five to 10% of my viewership. When my video first starts, I'm losing like 50% of the people before I'm even a minute in. And, and you can start using that information to really start fine tuning how you're putting your content together. And this is another thing that I can't stress enough because if you're not taking the time to fine tune how you're putting your content together, if things are not working the way that you want them to work yet, then you're kind of working against yourself by not using this information that YouTube gives us. That's why they give us the analytics so that we can see what's working so that we can apply that information to what it is that we're doing so that we can improve, which ultimately if we improve on our end, that helps YouTube put our content in front of more people that are likely to watch it. So because of that, getting in there and really getting an understanding for your audience retention reports and the things that you do or don't do in videos that cause people to stay or cause people to leave. Um, if you watch my content on a regular basis, you've probably heard me talk about this, but I'm going to say it just in case. So for example, things that you really need to be mindful of, regardless of the type of content that you make are your hook. When your video first opens up, what happens, right? Like, how are you grabbing people's attention? And you need to experiment with that and try to figure out for the type of content that you make, what do you have to do when your video first opens up in order to really grab somebody's attention and keep them watching your video? Because if you can grab their attention at the beginning, they're more likely to watch a lot more of the video, okay? So because of that, that very first thing that happens when the video first opens up, the very first things they see, the very first things that they hear, you have to spend a lot of time making sure that you're able to grab people's attention as soon as the video starts. Now, from there, people typically will drop an intro or some type of verbal introduction. So you also want to be mindful of what's happening there. And you want to look in your retention. You want to say, hey, this 10 second intro that I have, is this really adding value to the people that are coming to watch my content? Because you'll see that in your stats, because in most cases, you'll see that when when like when you look at this across a bunch of different channels, you'll notice that in most cases, when those intros pop up, people start leaving because they don't come there for an intro. So once you have a huge audience built in, then, you know, you can typically ride through those a little bit more. But like when you are not getting a lot of traffic coming in or you're getting a fair amount of traffic, but not a lot of return people yet, like those intros can really be a killer for your video and you can lose a lot of traffic during like a five to 10 second intro. So be really mindful of your intros. In addition to that, you also want to be mindful of things when you're looking at your audience retention reports, like how fast am I talking in this video compared to my other videos? How much B-roll am I showing in this video compared to other videos? How fast am I cutting between different scenes or how fast am I actually cutting the edit or how slow am I cutting the edit? Because, you know, depending on who it is that you're trying to reach, that audience, right, that very top level thing, depending on that audience that you're trying to reach, you might need to cut fast in order to hold their attention. Or depending on that audience that you're trying to reach, you might need to cut slower so that they can consume the content that you're putting out there in a way that's more reasonable for them because the type of content that you make isn't something that, that requires 
um, cutting fast or that it's appropriate to cut fast and have it jumping all over the place, for example. So when it comes to your retention, those things are really important. And it's also really important to think of how you're ending your videos. So at the end of your video, and I'm actually doing a presentation on, on how to keep people watching to the end of your videos at Social Media Marketing World coming up here in 2020 in March. And I really recommend that you go to that. Um, if you haven't been before, it's in San Diego. Really recommend that you head over there. It's going to be an awesome time. But when people get to the end of your video, it's important to make sure that you're not ending your video also verbally. So what you'll typically see when you're watching, uh, when you see a bunch of audience retention reports on a bunch of different types of content, when people end the video verbally or they give an indicator that the video is finished, then typically you'll see a lot of fall off there. And what I mean by fall off is you'll see people leaving the video. You'll see that 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 bar for the audience retention, you'll see it just start to drop. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to let people know the video is finished before you have an opportunity to send them into more of your content through your end screens. Uh, so because of that, it's important to make sure that you don't say things like, and that's how you, and uh, so that's the recipe, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, and that's the reason I think X, Y, Z, right? Like you don't want to say things like that. You want to make sure that you're actually pulling people into your end screen. And that's important because once they're on your end screen, then they have the option to subscribe. They have the option to watch more content and you are not losing them, so to speak, from letting them know that the video is finished. So it's really important to really get a deeper understanding of how your audience responds to your videos by really digging deep in your audience retention reports. And seriously, same thing with your click-through rate and your thumbnails and trying to identify what gets a higher click-through rate. And topic and the title of the video also are a big part of click-through rate. But when it comes to the retention, you know, it's just really important that you get a really deep understanding of what your audience responds to. Now, the next thing that you want to focus on as well in 2020, if you want to turn YouTube into something sustainable, and what I mean by that is a lot of people have YouTube content for the sake of just a hobby, right? It's like, hey, this is how I make content that helps me connect with other people that are into the types of things that I'm into. And that's awesome. And with that, you know, in some cases, you don't need to monetize in any way, but it would be nice if you could monetize so that you could at least have YouTube paying for your hobby that you're sharing with people. So another thing is if you are wanting to generate any income whatsoever from your YouTube channel, it doesn't matter if you have not started a YouTube channel yet, and it doesn't matter if you have a million subscribers and you're listening to this, it's important that for sustainability that you figure out ways that you can monetize your channel in 2020. Now, every channel is going to be different. Um, well, not every channel is going to be different. There's some core things, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, but it's really important just to, to think what is right for that audience that I'm trying to reach in the way that I'm monetizing. As an example, you're always going to be okay with ads, right? So if you get into the partner program and as long as you're playing by YouTube's rules and you're making the type of content that they support, you know, it's family friendly, that kind of stuff, and it's not too controversial, then in that case, you know, your ad revenue is something that you're going to be able to get. As you grow through your experience on YouTube, as you go through the journey, then other features are going to open up, channel memberships, super chats, you know, that kind of stuff you'll be able to do. But at the very core, you have those built-in YouTube features, right? That's one way that you're going to be able to monetize. But you don't have to wait until you're into the partner program to monetize. And that's a big mistake that a lot of content creators make because they think, well, I can't make any money off of this until I get into the partner program, but that's not correct. 
you can actually do things like Patreon to where the people that are watching your content to where you can have something additional that you offer them on Patreon. Um, You can create your own products that could be books. It could be courses. It could be physical products, all kinds of different things that you could create based on what it is that you're doing. Now, I understand that depending on the type of content that you make, there's definitely going to be cost incurred if you're putting out, you know, physical products and things like that. So if you're doing physical products, I would actually wait on that one a little bit until you got a little bit more of an audience built in. But doing digital stuff, that's really easy to do. Another thing you can do on the monetization side is you can start building a newsletter and through that newsletter using a service like MailChimp or something like that or, or AWeber or ActiveCampaign. I've actually got links to those on bestcreatortools.com. But through your email newsletter, that gives you the opportunity, one, to stay in touch with the people that are coming into your channel. And when you upload new content, at the very least, you can let them know that you have new videos that they can go watch. So you're creating your own notification system, essentially. Um, But in addition to that, you can also sell advertising in your newsletter. Once you get it built up, you can use it to market things as an affiliate. You can use it to market physical products that you end up building in the future. But the email list thing that is good for the sake of future planning, right? That's kind of like a long game thing. So it's something that you can do to generate income immediately through affiliate marketing, but it's also something that you can do to really build a a core foundational asset that you can monetize over and over and over again. If that's something you can do if you have an email list. So I really recommend that you do that. In addition to that, you also have things like sponsorships. Now, if you are really good at pitching things, then you might be able to get a small sponsorship on a smaller channel that isn't monetized yet. But that's another one of those things that you might have to wait until the ball's rolling a little bit. But um, one thing that you can lean on if you are not in the partner program is affiliate marketing. So there's different outlets that you can use in order to plug into some of these affiliate marketing options. You know, like Best Buy has an affiliate program. Walmart has an affiliate program. B&H Photo has an affiliate program. Amazon has an affiliate program. Although I just got an email from somebody saying that they had Amazon tell them that they can't have their account there as an affiliate unless they have 500 subscribers or more. So I don't know if that's a policy change or if that's something um, that is going to be continued into the future, but I do want to let you know that, but it's worth a shot to, uh, to see because it might also depend on the content that you're making as well. But other things you can do, On the monetization side is you can also offer services. So if you are doing anything where you would be able to sell your expertise of your hobby to where you'd be able to offer like consulting of some kind, or you would be able to offer a service to where you actually let's, let's use Ron trains and things because we mentioned him earlier. Let's use him as an example. You know, he could do something to where, you know, he builds his own custom cars And one, he could sell those directly as a physical product, but he could also do that as a service for other people to where it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to customize this train car um, for your set. So you can have your very own, you know, Ron's trains and things built um, train car. So, you know, depending on the type of content that you make, you know, you can get really creative with the stuff that you offer and you don't need to rely on ads or the other YouTube features that help you make money. Now, those do add up. Those can be cash cows if you're getting a lot of traffic, but you know, it's really important to make sure that if you want to do this sustainably and you want it to pay for itself at the very least, that you definitely consider monetization in uh, 2020 as well. So just to recap that audience at the very top, super important to know who it is that you're making content for, because that gives you a roadmap, right? It gives you that that destination that you're that you're trying to get to. 
the topics are the actual map itself um, in terms of these are the videos, the subjects that I'm going to talk about in order to get in front of this particular audience that I'm trying to reach. And then there's the actual videos that you make themselves. And then the click through rate, you got to get people to click the retention. You got to get people to watch longer so that you can help YouTube generate as much watch time per impression as possible. And all that means is how much total watch time are you accumulating for every time they show a thumbnail to somebody on YouTube? The more that you can do that, the, the higher that number is in terms of the watch time that you can accumulate per impression, the better your chances of winning on YouTube. But like with your click-through rate, again, just to take a one more step backwards into that one, it's really important just to make sure that you're digging in so that you can get an understanding of where your traffic's coming from, where your traffic's performing best, especially if you are targeting search traffic or browse traffic or suggested traffic. You know, it's really important to make sure that the content that you're putting out there and the way that you're titling your videos and the way that you're making your thumbnails, that all of that is a good fit for the specific sources that you are trying to target and that people are legitimately responding to it from those sources that you're trying to target as well. So I do want to say I wish everybody the best of luck in 2020. I hope that you have an amazing new year. I hope that 2020 is the best decade of your entire existence. I hope that everything on YouTube and off YouTube goes amazingly for you. I hope that it's just an incredible journey for you um, through the 20s. And I hope that everything is, I hope that your life just in general, it just becomes the best that it can possibly be in the 20s. I know it's what I'm striving for. That's what I wish for the people that are around me. And that's what I wish for you as well. And, you know, YouTube, again, you know, I talk about this all the time as well. YouTube is such an amazing opportunity for people. And just to be able to reach, you know, to be able to put out a video and, and have a hundred people watch it or a thousand people or, or, you know, hundreds of thousands of people watch that video. It's just an incredible opportunity that you can tap into. And if you want to really get the ball rolling, focus on the things that I talked about in this episode and just dedicate, you know, say, hey, for the next year, I'm going to focus really hard on these things and I'm going to get a really deep understanding of these things so I can really connect with the audience and the people that I'm trying to reach. If you do that and you put in that effort, then I guarantee you that you will get results on YouTube. Stay consistent, keep uploading, stay engaged with your community and focus on the things that I talked about in this episode and keep trying to improve. And I guarantee you that you will get results in 2020. So um, I hope that you learned something here uh, today in this episode. Again, this episode is a little bit different than normal. You know, it's my sign off episode for 2019. So again, I want to thank you for making uh, 2019 and 2018 and 2017 awesome for me. If you've been watching my content for a while, if you're just new to the podcast and that's it, thank you for making the end of 2019 awesome for me because this is going well also. So thank you for that. And um, again, have a happy new year. I would love to know your thoughts about the show. So if you do have a chance, if you could leave a written review, that would be fantastic on iTunes or any of the other platforms, because that just gives people a little bit of insight, you know, hey, what am I getting into here when I listen to this podcast? So I'd really appreciate that. And I hope you learned something today. Thanks for having a coffee with me. Get show notes, resources and more over at commentsovercoffee.com or grab yourself a refill and listen to another episode.